Well, hello and welcome back to Simply Christ, the podcast where we examine in spiritual life, we look at what the spiritual teachings of Jesus are all about. Examining this spiritual way, this way that Jesus promised us, which is the greatest spirit or the greatest promise that's ever been given, and that is God living himself in our beings, his spirit identifying with my spirit. And, you know, a mind that's renewed by the spirit, uh, the mind that is controlled by the spirit, those things. I marvel sometimes at how often we forget that as Christians. We, We take the spirit and we've turned him into kind of like a Robin. You know, there's Batman and Robin. There's Jesus who's Batman. Then we got Robin who's the sidekick and he does what he's supposed to do, but he's kind of like a junior member of the team. You know what I mean? This is not what it is. This is not anything like that whatsoever, yet we do that. We have no connection many times with the spiritual world, yet that is exactly what Jesus talks about. Now, last week, we talked about a couple of things when it comes to understanding how to deal with discouragement, and this is a continuation into that. How do we deal with discouragement in our life? And You know, we can give all kinds of bullet points, we can talk about all kinds of things, and and those are good, but they're not separate and apart from each other. They're like a spider web. They're all put together. And what is very crucial in this is an understanding that the spiritual life is not like we like to think of here in Western society that, you know, you follow bullet one, two, three, four, five, and you do X, Y, Z, and all these different things, and now you have a plan of doing something. That That's not how the spiritual world works. It all intertwines together. It's all interconnected. It all ties in. So when we talk about these things, these are principles that we use not just for discouragement, but for everything in the Christian life. And when we use these things, when we live this way, discouragement will disappear, or let me say not disappear so much, but we'll be able to handle those difficult times. doesn't mean that we'll never become discouraged. I don't want you to ever think that, but it means that when we are discouraged, this is how we handle it. And the last time we spoke, we talked about renewing the mind. We looked at Romans chapter 12. One of the first things we need to do is renew our mind. If we want to overcome discouragement, we have to renew our mind, a way of thinking. Of course, this is something that we need to be doing anyways, right? So let's look at the second one. And we spent a lot of time looking at the first one. There's there's several of these, and we're just not going to be able to do them all in one. But that's okay. We don't have to cram everything into one podcast. A lot of times we want to have everything done right there and given to us right away. You know, I compare that to whenever I travel overseas, when I eat, it's usually you know, a part of a course. Here comes something and you eat about it and you talk about it. And it may it may take it may take 30 minutes or even an hour. I'll give you an example. I don't want to chase a rabbit, but I think it's a good example. When my family, who's French, when we celebrate New Year's, we don't do it now because we've had some deceased members and so forth. But in the past, what we would do is we would start on New Year's Eve right around five o'clock, four o'clock in the afternoon. And we would not get out of the dinner table until around five o'clock the next morning. That's right, 12 hours straight. Because the first one would be a little bit of peanuts and we'd sit around and talk and, you know, do this and that. And then one course would come and the next course would come. Then we'd take a break and then something else would, it was long so we could digest and understand each piece. 
Here in the U.S., if you're at the dinner table more than 15 minutes, you've done a lot. You're cramming everything you can on the one place, and you never get a chance to really enjoy it. So look at it this way, okay? That's how we're doing it. We're doing it the long route, the 12-hour meal, okay? So the first one was renewing your mind. This time, I'm going to be talking about one that is definitely causing a lot of controversy with people, and it shouldn't. I don't understand why because it's been promised to us. And that is establish a time of listening. Okay. Now I didn't say establish a time of study. Study is important. So I don't want anybody to run away from this podcast saying, Mark says to throw your Bibles in the garbage can and all that. No, that's not true. What I'm saying is establish a time of listening. Now we can read our scriptures and the Holy Spirit gives us direction in these scriptures. But there's many times in which we need to just have a conversation between us and God. Oh, my goodness. I know it's blasphemy. It's terrible. Everybody's going to go to hell now because you're actually going to spend time listening to God. You're not supposed to do that. Anytime you want to talk to God, you're supposed to go to the book and that's it. That's not true. Why? All through the New Testament, the promise of the New Testament is I will give you a spirit. John chapter 16, verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you unto all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. Jesus makes it very, very clear that he's given to us and giving to us a spirit. He is giving to us what we need to hear from him. Christianity is not an intellectual pursuit. Now, if you're not a believer and you're listening to this, we're not saying that intelligence is to be thrown out the window. What we're saying is that a relationship with somebody, the the God himself, Jehovah, is not about studying about him. It is personal. That's what we mean by this. This is a spiritual relationship. You are a spirit, folks. We are a spirit. That's who we are. We're not body. We have a body, but that's not who we are. If it was strictly a body, a person with no legs or no arms is less of a human being, right? No, we are spirits with a physical body. That is crucial to remember. So how does God relate to us? He relates to us through all of our senses. He relates to us through our spirit, identifying with his spirit. Romans even talks about that. Paul talks about that. He says his spirit identifies that our spirit, that we are sons and daughters of God. Well, what does that mean? It's not some theological construct that floats up in the air that really doesn't mean anything, except in some kind of weird theological way that someone can write a book about. It's an actual construction of where you and I are are in league together. We're working. Jesus was full of the Spirit. Jesus himself said, the things I do, I don't do on my own. I do with what the Father's prompting me to do. Paraphrased, of course. Folks, it's you and I are the same thing. We have just completely just, you know, slashed ourselves in the sense of any type of strength that we could have through the spiritual life. And that is sad because we are throwing away the greatest gift that God has given us, and it's really what it's all about, is a connection with his spirit. We've got to understand that that's what it's all about. Again, John chapter 10, verse 21, my sheep hear my voice and I know them 
and they follow me. John chapter 10, verse 27. Again, let me read it. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. See, for some reason, we've taken Jesus, and he says, well, that's nice. You know, he's with his apostles long ago, and he's gone, so we're going to put him over here. And all we now have is just a collection of letters to read, and, you know, we got to go study, and that's the only way we're going to ever know about Jesus and him speaking to us, because you know, he's long. Wouldn't it be great if Jesus was here today? We could speak to him. Oh, well, we've got these books, and that's about it. No, that's, that's crazy. That's nothing of what has been promised to us. The Spirit has been promised to us. So the first thing we need to do is establish Well, the second thing, the first thing we talked about last week, renewing your mind, because if we don't renew our mind, we can't hear it from the Spirit, right? Establish a time of listening. So what does this sound like? Can we even hear from the Spirit? There's a person I've been communicating with back and forth on uh, on a social media platform. And they were saying, well, you know, how do you know it's the Spirit then if you uh, don't have, uh, you know, you can think that anything, uh, anything that comes to your mind, you can say the Spirit and you can say that it's from the Spirit and not have any basis to, to go back on. Well, a person who hears from the Spirit, you're going to know if it's from the Spirit if you have a mind of God to begin with, because Jesus knows his voice, our voice, and we know, know his voice. He says, again, what we say in John, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. They hear it. So you got to recognize the voice. You know, if you're a follower and you hear a voice telling you, I want you to go to go up and I want you to stab a needle through the neck of the person that's sitting next to you. Now, if you have to wonder if that's from God, do you really have to wonder if that's from God? Even non-believers know that that's not a right thing to do, right? Okay. We know that's not from God because it's harmful, right? That's not what God is going to tell us to do. If we're a spiritually minded man or woman, we're going to know what is from God. So what does all this mean? It really comes down to some of the things that Paul talks about in Romans and and all through much of the uh, New Testament writings that he has. And that is a word, and many of you may have heard this, it's a word called rhema. Okay, it's a Greek word. And what that word means, it's a word that is spoken. It, it's, an, it's something that is given to us. And we find this in a couple of passages of Scripture. The first one we're going to look at is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, before that, Paul is talking to the Ephesians, and he's telling them, put your whole armor on. Put the armor of God, you know, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, uh, all these things. Did you notice what they are? They're, they're what? They're, they're all spiritual attributes, aren't they? Yeah, they're all of the spiritual nature. See, see, they're not of the intellectual nature. They're of the spiritual nature. But the one thing he says in verse 17 and verse, uh, yeah, 617 of Ephesians, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, I used to believe what was talking about here, the Word of God. Well, there you go. You take your Bibles, and that's what he wants us to do. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is your Bible. But that's not as simple as what we like to think about it. Remember, the first Christians in that time didn't even have a Bible. Some had a collection of letters. Some of them, uh, well, we know the Ephesian church did because Paul wrote to the Ephesians. But remember, these weren't emailed to people. These were written, the first accounts were written maybe 20 years after after Jesus' resurrection. And then some of these letters were sent off to different churches. 
not most of these churches didn't have a letter to go to. Most of these churches, and, and they didn't get to FaceTime or do Microsoft Teams that they could get some apostles. Some apostles might take a year, maybe two years to get somewhere. They rarely saw an apostle. So what did they do? They listened to the Spirit. Every time they got together, what did they do? They listened to the Spirit. Now, the Jewish Christians got together and they read some from the Old Testament, from the Torah. The Gentiles didn't. They didn't even follow, They didn't even have an Old Testament. When the Roman Christians got together, they weren't necessarily Jews. A lot of them were just Gentiles who said, hey, what is this? I believe in this Jesus. I want to partake of this. So this idea that everybody broke out their New Testaments and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and letters to the Romans, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, and so all the way to the book of Revelation is just not true. They didn't have it. What did they hear from? They're heard from the Spirit. Don't take this and mean you throw that away. No, it's about keeping things in perspective. That's what they heard from. What is a rhema? The rhema was a message from God that they listened to. How did they do it? Well, they established a time for listening. They listened to, the, to, to God talking to them. They heard God speaking to them. When Paul is telling these individuals in Ephesians is, take your helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the rhema of God, God giving you strength to make through the day. I don't care what anybody tells me. I have heard from God, not a big booming voice in the sky. Countless times I have set times where I've spoken and listened to God, and he speaks to me, and it is from him. I don't, I don't care what anybody tells me. Why? Because I know it's from him, because it brings peace, joy, life. It identifies Jesus as the Son of the living God, and it tells me things that I need to do to continue the good faith and fighting and living the Christian lifestyle. The devil's not going to do that, okay? The devil's not going to come up and tell you, say, hey, you want to be a good Christian? Well, you need to go out and try to... You you know what's from God and what isn't. The more you do it, the more you hear from him. You don't throw away your scriptures. I'm not telling you to do that. But I want you to take a time for establish, for listening for God. Jeremiah chapter 13, or 33, verse 3. Jeremiah 33, 3 says... Call to me, and I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. You know, for a group, and I know this might come a little bit a little bit harsh, and I'm not trying to be harsh, but I, I'm trying to really trying to drive home a point. For a groups of people that claim that they live by the Bible, and the Bible is it, and it, and that's it, we sure don't really pay much attention to it. Jeremiah 33, verse 3 says, call on me. And I will answer you, and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. That's in the New Testament, of course, through the writings of Paul, through the writings of Peter. Those are in there. But there's also a time to where he leads you to what you need to do. See, the man or woman who's listening to the voice of God and spends time in God, the more that you do that, I promise you, the more you will hear from God and the closer you will get to God and the more peace, the more joy, the more life you will have. I can promise you that. The more you hear from them, the more you will, the more you will enjoy life and live the Christ-like life. The people who I have seen and have experienced and who I hold in such high esteem, I should say, in their Christian life are those individuals who spend time with God. They're in their relationship with God. 
and they're listening to him. Sometimes two to three hours a night, just in prayer, not saying anything. It's a conversation going back and forth with God. Now, I know some people that if I told that to them, they would say, anathema, anathema. You are from Satan. You are from the depths of hell. I know they would because I've had people tell me that. I'm like, okay, man, you can believe what you want to believe. But the Father is speaking to me. Now, if he says something that is contrary that's written to that, and it's blatantly contrary, then of course, yes, uh, contrary to things that are written, of course, yes, and those are the things that you need to be careful for. But as a follower of God, you will know those things. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody, let's say a parent, and you're in this conversation with a parent, they're on the phone, and all of a sudden, somebody, whether it's a phone or person, someone cuts in, and they're telling you to do something, you know it's not your parent because that's not what your parent would say. That's not them. That's the same way with God. We don't do that because we're afraid. We are so afraid of making a mistake that we don't do anything. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of the parable, and I know I'm probably taking this parable and using it in a different way, but again, there's use, what's the saying? There's one interpretation, but many, many applications. Well, here's what an application is to what I think one of them is. The parable of the talent. Uh, the talents, the people with the talents. Remember the one who had the three people who had the talents. One did something with them. The other, he did something great with them. The other took it and buried. Why? Oh, you're a, you're, you're a mean God. You steal from, or you take from, uh, you reap from places which are not yours. Oh, yeah, so I hid. And what, what did that person say? Or what did the master say? Throw that worthless servant out of here. Why? Because they feared God to the point they didn't do anything. And I'm afraid there are many Christians that are, not do, or that are living in that kind of lifestyle. They're so afraid to hearing from God. They're so afraid. That's a lack of faith in God. They really think that God's going to just leave them and let them believe something that isn't true. Jesus himself said, if you who are fathers know how to good gifts to your children, don't you think your heavenly father is going to give you give good gifts as well? Do you think your father who you ask for, for you know, bread, he's going to give you a stone or ask for a fish, he's going to give you a snake? But that's how we think God is. We think God is so far away that if we do something, we're searching for him. And God's up there far away on a cloud going, yeah, no, so-and-so. He's doing that. No, no, I'm not going to talk to him. That's ridiculous. We put more stock in our earthly parents and more faith in them treating us right than we do God. That's why we do not establish a time for listening. We have to establish a time for listening so we can hear from God. That means taking our time to set up a time to whether it's at night, day, or whenever the case is. If you are a person who hears from God and wants to hear from God, you will be prompted. And that prompting is going to be coming at times when you least expect it. And you're going to know it. It's going to be like, well, you don't have a desire to pray to God. It's just something. There you go. Take it. Run with it. That's it. When, you, when you're praying, you're, you're having conversation with God. When you're finished talking, be quiet and listen. You know, as Christians, we love to talk in our prayers. We're always babbling in our prayers. We're always saying this, saying that, but we never take time to listen. We've mentioned this on Pat's podcast that, you know, we're so busy talking. Could you imagine having a friend that comes up to you, and the minute they walk into the door, they start talking. They never shut up. And they keep speaking, and they say, okay, well, we'll see you later, bye. And they walk out the door, and you're left standing there looking at the door like, what just happened? What just happened here? You asked me for advice, and I'm trying to give it to you, then you run off. 
That's what we do to God all the time. And then we say, well, hey, why not listen to him? Oh, no, we're not supposed to listen to him. No, listen to God. Establish a time for listening. Establish a time of listening. Listen, spend time. And we're going to talk about this more on one of our next podcasts about certain times when we can listen to the Spirit and that are stronger, at least in this is just speaking from experience. And we'll talk about that next time. But what I want us to do today, I want us to understand that the Spirit is going to guide us to all truth. Jesus promised us the Spirit. He promised us a Spirit to live by, and we've got to listen to Him. If we don't listen, we're missing out on the greatest joy. Repent and be baptized. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Acts 2.38, right? Wow. You know, we talk about repentance and baptism, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we really don't like talking about that guy very much, do we? Okay. When I mean by guy, you know what I mean. I'm being flippant, but I'm doing that on purpose because that's how we treat him. We don't respect the Spirit in the way we need to respect him when we don't listen to him listen to the Spirit. You know, when Jesus says, I will give you a Spirit, and it's better for you that I go so I can send you the Spirit. Jesus even says that in John. But yet, no, well, yeah, the Spirit thing, you know, just give me the book. Just give me the book and let me read. That's all I need to do. No, there's more to it. Establish a time for listening. When you hear from God, you are going to be encouraged. There is nothing that gives you greater peace than to be able to have a conversation with God. And when I read those individuals who have conversations with God, individuals who who are able to be so in tune with the conversation from God that they don't even know half the things going on around them because they're so busy hearing from God that it just is amazing and they get to be so encouraged. That's where we are. Renew your mind, establish a time of listening. And I'm telling you, When we hear from God, we are going to be encouraged. And the more we're going to be wanting to do it, and the more we do it, the more we become encouraged. And the more we transform into the spiritual realm and live the life of Christ as he promised. Again, listen for God. Until next time, God bless. 